everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Winging It F1 podcast with Freddie in Portugal and Adam still touring the US. I've brought two super subs along. Uh, it's Charlie Huffenden and Henry Clark, two people who know me reasonably, reasonably well and have had to put up with me over the last, for over the last three years. Uh, Henry's making his return after 15 months. He was that good. That's only taken him about 15 months to come back. And Charlie's making his debut. How are you guys doing? Mate, I'm buzzing. This is finally the Winging It debut, the uh, long-awaited one. Why haven't you had me on before, mate? Why haven't you had me on before? Uh, it's probably best if we don't say. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and Henry? Yeah, no, delighted to, delighted to be back after so long. It's been too long, but uh spent a lot of time with you in the last few weeks and it's realised me why it has been 15 months, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, obviously, Charlie and Henry built quite know as much compared to like say me, Freddie and Adam about F1. So I thought it'd be interesting to see how F1 is from kind of a casual, more casual point of view. So that's what this episode is going to be about. We might touch on Azerbaijan a tad bit at the end if we have time, but it's mainly seen uh, how what the state of F1 is like right now. And that's what the first talking point is going to be. So Charlie, if I come to you first, since you've been watching F1, you think this is the best state the sport has been in? Yeah, I think um, it's a very exciting state. I think the teams are a lot closer together than they have been a long time. Races are a lot less predictable. I suppose it's kind of established, isn't it, with Verstappen and Leclerc, likely winners every race at the moment, Ferrari versus Red Bull. But even then, it's kind of right down to strategy as to who's going to win races. Mercedes, you wouldn't have predicted at the start of the season they'd be as far down as they have been. It's just kind of mixed up the order a bit hasn't it and I'm finding it quite exciting I think now that cars can get so much closer together as well I'm not sure you'll know the exact reason as to why Nigel but I've noticed with the changes to the cars and regulations that suddenly they can get a lot closer like in Monaco for example they never would have been as close as they were as we just seen a couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago now um so yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it at the moment I've kind of had a bit of a a mixed time with F1 I started watching like 2008 kind of time um, until about maybe 2012, 2013, stopped watching throughout much of secondary school and then only kind of started tuning in again at the start of university back in 2019. So in that middle phase, I didn't really see much of it. I just know it was Mercedes dominance. So you it kind of tells me now. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed the boring bits, which is all right, to be fair. Kind of, I think it was um, maybe Hamilton's first Mercedes title, actually, maybe a bit later than I thought when I stopped watching, and then kind of came back in for his sixth and seventh. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying it at the moment. It's a bit more competitive, isn't it? Yeah. Henry? Yeah, I think the thing with any sport is getting casual, although, you know, sports have all got their hardcore, diehard following, but I think the success of a sport depends on how many people they can get that are, like casual fans like myself, how many, I kind of see it, how many races can F1 get me watching every year is a probably a good barometer of how exciting the sport is at the minute. And obviously at the minute this season, uh, I'm watching, you know, most races, if not all of them. And uh, unusually for me, sitting through them all from start to finish. Um, so, you know, I, I've always had a, always had an interest, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that would say that they found the bit with, you know, when Vettel dominated and then Hamilton dominated those long stretches, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that said they lost a bit of interest in the sport around that time. And like I said, in that podcast about 
what would make Lewis Hamilton the greatest sports person that Great Britain have ever had. I said that it would, for me, it would be a year where it go where it's close and he's got a proper proper challenger and he then goes on to win it. Yeah. Because for me, that his critic his criticism in sort of that and probably would go down in terms of his legacy in F1 is that did he win seasons that are were truly like close in the way that last season was? Obviously, he lost last season, but um, but for me, these are you know last season and this season the fields obviously even more competitive due to the rule changes. So this is I think Formula One in the min- at the minute is in a very is in a very good place for from my point of view. And do you think it's more so? Kind of what what kind of attracts you to F one now? Is it is it the drivers, the racing, the cars, or something else? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it, again, it depends what sort of level of interest you you show into it. I guess yeah. if you're the sort of person that would binge watch Drive to Survive in a night, you're probably you know you get to know the drivers like you, they, the drivers have now got their own cult followings, haven't they? Like Lando Norris has got a big following, Ricardo's got a big following, um, and I feel like other than the top, you know, they're not the top, top guys in the sport, but yet they've still got a brilliant, massive following. Um, And yeah, I think in terms of, I I don't know, for me, for me, it's more the races that I get invested in than, and the wider, the broader picture of the championship than the, the actual drivers, because I'm not a diehard enough fan to get invested in those like I would do in a footballer or a cricketer for me personally. But so, which is why when the racing is high quality and close, like it is now, that's what really gets me engaged. Yeah. Charlie? No, I, I think I agree with Henry in terms of, I don't have, I do have a couple of favorite drivers maybe, but I'm not aligned to one team in particular or one driver in particular. I've kind of got ones that I've, I've watched Drive to Survive. I've kind of seen the interviews after races and before, etc. And I'm like, okay, I quite like him, but I, I don't really have a, a preference as to who wins races most of the time. It's just, I'd rather see a good battle. I quite like a good strategy as well even though most of the time I don't quite understand it and I'm still getting to grips with kind of undercutting and all sorts. And I'm I'm just really enjoying that aspect of it, to be honest. Um, when a race is, maybe a bit of rain makes it a bit interesting sometimes or when teams have to make a tough call, like Monaco, for example, a lot of people found the end of it quite boring um, because not much happened towards the end. But I, I found it kind of right down to the wire. These drivers were so close the way the strategies made it unfold of Perez taking the lead, he wouldn't have done so if it wasn't for the rain and, and all the uncertainty at the start of the race. So, yeah, I, that, that's the kind of thing I'm enjoying at the moment. That's what really gets me engaged. And I don't, I can't remember the last time I missed a race, to be fair. Like, um, I know Henry was saying he struggles to miss, uh, he struggles to get through races sometimes, but I'm always, I'm always tuning in and I'm gutted when I do miss them, really. Actually, sorry, could I just jump in there? They raised actually talking about, about the weather it raised a good point that someone said to me at the weekend during monaco and i know i know to a certain extent it's because of the times have changed and the awareness of being safe on the track is you know much more than it was back in the day yeah but someone did make a point in that saying so is f1 just a fair weather sport now yeah. You know, is is it just is do we not do they not race unless the tracks you know unless the tracks sort of not dry because obviously it can be wet. That was you know at points that was a different level of 
being rainy and wet but it did raise a good point actually and to someone like me where you where as charlie said that adds that adds a sense of jeopardy Mm. obviously you don't want to make it unsafe but you know one of the things about f1 was that it was you know the drivers were tested by the conditions like that so it did it did that rate yeah i agree with it to some extent obviously you know there's the safety thing but I thought that was an interesting point to come out of the weekend. No, that's a really good point <clears throat> because <clears throat> there's some races in the wet, say in the 80s and 90s, where it was super wet, yet they still raced. And there's no way they're racing those conditions now because it's too unsafe, which you can argue it is. But for me, I've always thought these are, we've got some of the best drivers in the world in these amazing cars. They should be able to handle pretty much any conditions unless it's literally undrivable. And we want to see the best drivers in the world going at it in all kinds of conditions. So, yeah, there's definitely a small problem there with F1 not racing in, say, torrential rain compared to, say, 20, 30 years ago. So that's something that's... Do you think it's um, an issue as well of it being Monaco and not having as much margin for error? If, if you go off there, you, you're going into the wall, make one little mistake, you're in the wall. I know you had Spa before, wasn't it, where the race yeah. didn't even get... It got started for a few laps under a safety car, wasn't it? And they kind of finished off yeah. in that position as well. George got his first podium. But yeah, I uh, I think if it's a track with a bit more margin for error, a bit more runoff, then I think you could probably get away with it a bit more. Yeah, you could say that, but then you could also say, also say to go in slower at Monaco anyway. So if they're going to crash, it won't yeah. be that big of a crash because there's not many high-speed corners. And there were definitely races at Monaco in the 80s, so F1 fans will know about uh, 1984 when Senna became, I think that was his first podium for Senna in 1984 because he was he was in a rubbish car, but because of the wet conditions, he ended up, he ended up getting second before the race was stopped. Uh, because we get to see the talent kind of shine in the wet conditions, and that's something that I personally miss a tiny bit uh, when F1 doesn't race in the, in the wet. So, yeah, hopefully that is something that does change, but unlikely. Uh, Charlie, you mentioned before the drive to survive point. So, have you seen like all? Oh, is it three series or four series? I, mean, I think it's three series, isn't it? Three or four, yeah. I'm not not okay, quite have sure. Have you seen all, all, all three? Um, I've seen all the previous ones. The more recent one, I've watched the first like three episodes, and then uni got so busy that Netflix has kind of taken it's not really much of a priority, <laughs> to be fair. But I do want to watch it, especially the current season being on. Maybe with the season break, I'll yeah. start to miss it a bit, and then I'll watch The Drive to Survive to get a bit more involved. Even though it's a different season they're covering, it's still interesting to see the battles unfolding. And one thing I found interesting from the first couple of episodes, actually, was how Norris and Ricardo don't really get along. I thought they would. Um, you kind of got the idea that maybe they didn't quite get on as expected from without Drive to Survive, but you could kind of really see how they didn't get on much at all at the start, did they? Which I found yeah, well, quite interesting. This, this is a whole big thing with Drive to Survive because I've never seen it because I think it's too fake, personally, and I just can't get myself into it. But it does seem to have, uh, especially on the casual side, it's got a lot of fans on board. So is that something that's kind of happened with with, 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 with you guys? I mean, I must admit, this probably this probably sums up my interest in F1. I don't mean that in, in a horrible way, but <laughs> when the new series came out, mm. I skipped, I watched the very last episode when obviously the Hamilton Verstappen, I watched that first yeah. and I planned to come back and watch the rest and I haven't got around to it yet. But um, 
I, yeah, I think that was that was a great move, and it's obviously a move that a lot of other sports are yeah. tapping into now. Um, I think are uh, what other is it? Tennis are doing tennis that, is doing one for the Australian Open. I think cycling is doing one for the Tour de France this year as well. And there's a Roddy O'Sullivan when he won the Snooker World Championship, he had Netflix following him as well. So F1 was kind of a pioneer for this kind of sports behind the scenes Netflix thing. And and people are absolutely obsessed with the fact that they feel like they're getting their behind the scenes look. So I think it that was a brilliant move, a genius move really to do that. And um I, I, obviously, I guess it's hard to see whether that had a tangible impact, but I would be shocked if there's not a lot of people, especially younger people who didn't end up getting interested in the sport because of that. So that's definitely something. And also, it's like they've timed it quite well that they've also started that when stuff's getting quite exciting. Because if if that had happened in the Vettel days or the Hamilton, like in that proper era of dominance where you know the challenge was fairly non-existent i would probably say that yeah that it might not have worked so well but now that because they're doing it now i think it was a great 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 bit of timing i don't, don't know if it's complete coincidence but yeah good good call by f1 yeah charlie no um i think just getting to know the drivers a bit better has been quite nice to be fair yeah. um some people that you wouldn't really know the personalities of otherwise quite quiet on the grids so like a sonoda his personality has really come out on drive to survive and he's someone who i quite like now but i wouldn't have really known that much about as a casual fan not really reading that much into it other than kind of at the weekend maybe watching a practice section here and there and but not me seeing seeing much of them in the media to have that behind the scenes feel, go al- along with them in their car and wherever they're going at home, that kind of thing, like Bottas going off home. I, I just really enjoy that, to be fair. Um, I think it was very known anyway of like Bottas and his love for coffee and things like that. But just little anecdotes like that, uh, what draw me in a bit more, give it a bit of personality. Because sometimes races can be quite dull and you don't really get much strategy at all. There's no rain. It's just brilliant conditions <laughs> like a brilliant conditions in monaco it's this is a whole discussion in itself as to whether it should still be in the calendar i think it should because it's so historic but that can sometimes yeah. be the most boring race of the year because there's no overtaking so a bit more personality gives it a bit more of an edge for me mm. uh another talking point because it's not all positive with f1 of course uh still mm. issues with kind of kind of being behind a paywall in most countries including the uk it's on sky sports although channel 4 do get Highlights program on the Sunday evenings, like three or four hours after the race. Ticket prices are still quite high as well. Uh, what do you think this is always going to be the case in F1, Henry, or can it change? It's a it's a multi-billion international industry now, isn't it? It's especially with these big moves into the Middle Eastern and the American markets, I think it's only going to continue to go one way um, as it has done with a lot of other sports. I think it's not fair to put that blame all on F1. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sports that have gone that way because at the end of the day, the, the TV money, the sponsorship deals are just far too good to ignore. Yeah. Um, so I think obviously it's, it's an issue. It is an issue because there's no, I'd love to go to Silverstone, but there's, I, I don't know off the top of my head how much it costs, but I know friends that have been that are proper F1 fans and have paid to go sort of for the weekend. 
and it is absolutely outrageous how expensive yeah. it is. It's like like it, three hundred quid, I think. It's. I just think, especially and especially like, at the minute where we're obviously in the middle of a after the pandemic, we're in a bit yeah. of a cost of living crisis, or we are in a cost of living crisis. So, I think, um, I think, you know, there might be a time when, like at, at the cricket this week at Lords, where there was a lot of empty seats because people just simply said, no, I'm not paying that and didn't come. And they had to then drop the ticket prices um, so that people in. So maybe it all will, will all come to a head for F1, but it's got such a massive global audience. I don't think it will ever come to that, really. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think F1 is one of those few sports where it's almost better on TV anyway, because if you go to the track, you only get to see, I know there's sometimes big screens and stuff, but you only get to see the car go past once every minute or two minutes. So there's that kind of factor as well. Uh, you've been to an F1 race, haven't you, Charlie, I think, off the top of my head? No, I've not been to an F1 okay. race, but I did go to the Formula E recently in Monaco yeah. um, with Freddie, So, and that was 30 euros for the whole yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. I know they do it in one day, so it's a bit different, but... I didn't know much about Formula E. I just kind of went along because get to go to Monaco, somewhere that's so historic for the F1, somewhere I've been watching since I was a kid, playing on the games. I thought, if I can see this in person, this would be amazing. See some racing on this track. Yeah. 30 euros. I'm not expecting F1 to be that cheap because that's just a bit insane, to be fair. That's cheaper than most football tickets. I think for something like F1, where it comes around to a country once, twice, three times, depending where you are in Italy, a bit more often than the UK, of course. But... I think it does need to be cheaper than it is. It's pricing out fans. It's it's basically making it an elite sport for fans to go and watch, which we don't want. We want to see people from all demographics that want to go and see it able to. Because if you're yeah. charging four or five hundred pounds to go for a weekend, quite often it's more than that. You just can't afford it. As Henry was saying, with the cost of living crisis, that money isn't available. That money is going to be spent on basic needs and something like the f1 you might not ever be able to watch if it stays at the current price and even on tv as well what is it like 50 pounds a month or something for a sky sports subscription maybe a bit less than that but i know the full package they try and add a bit more on for every single bloody channel you want it's it's difficult for people so i feel very lucky that i can watch it week in week out with a paywall but there's fans out there you probably have to go and find other means to watch it, and it's just not fair. I think something does need to change, but it needs might, to be a balance because they got to fund it somehow. You might be thinking of me, Nigel. I, I've been to an F1 race. Yeah, I went to, good. I went to uh, Spa a fair few years ago, right. um, which has always been my favourite circuit. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was like you said, it was a good experience. Like we sat on Eau Rouge, um, yeah. so we had, we had really good seats, but. Uh, that it it was a bit like what is going on like when when they're not in front of you what is actually going on and if you've not got like a radio so you're listening to any commentary yeah. without context it can be difficult to pick up especially for a casual fan but yeah. no a fantastic experience like i think you've got it you've got to go and do it because it's uh it's a great it's great to see it all up close do you know which year you went? Was it like 2018 or so? 2018? No, it was earlier than that, I think. I was, it would have been, I reckon, 2017, I think. Okay. Yeah. I might even have it on the wall there. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. But 
I remember because we didn't realise quite how far the circuit was out. It's just in the middle of nowhere. So like it's, 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 it's in like a forest, isn't it? Yeah, they, they grow like Christmas trees there. And we <laughs> we missed, we ended up missing the... Um, because there were such long queues out the circuit coming out, we were on this coach. We ended up missing the Eurostar home, the last one of the night. So we had to stay in Brussels overnight, which is quite interesting. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a good day, though. I still remember it very well. Well, uh, does it bother you where F1 races are or what countries they're in? So, or do you just turn it on every so or most of the days and just watch it? Uh, do you mean in terms of like, with the human rights stuff in Saudi well, Arabia. What say, like, because there's going to be free races in America and they're still trying to crack the Asian market and there's not quite as many races in Europe. Like, does that kind of bother you or from, like, a casual fan point of view or do you just watch any race? I don't I don't get in... I'm not bothered enough with in terms of yeah. that sort of location-wise, really. I just... If the race is on, I'll find out what time it is. And I'm more inclined, if I listen to like you guys and then you say, oh, this is a boring circuit, I'm yeah. like, well, if I'm doing something else on Sunday, like it's not the end of the world, I'll watch the highlights. But if you say, no, this will be, a, this is going to be a good one, yeah. then you're yeah. thinking, oh yeah, I probably will, I probably will stick around and watch it. So it's more about, it's more about the quality of the circuit for me than the actual location. How about for you, Charlie? Yeah, I think just the quality of the track really it's something that's going to offer a lot of overtaking um a lot of variety in terms of strategy then I'm, I'm very happy with that um it's it's not great seeing the human rights issues and do these places deserve a circuit if if they're not accepting people who are homosexuals for example you got lewis hamilton having to wear a rainbow helmet to make a point that shouldn't be a thing anymore that's a complete separate issue but should F1 be supporting these nations with completely different views and then kind of put out a different message, put uh, all this, um, what's the word? The, um, you know, you know the, the signals that people do, and I can't remember the, the term for it now, but when, when you put kind of like a rainbow on your, your profile picture, all of that, the F1 are doing that, but then they're going to countries that don't support that. I just don't understand it. It's hypocritical. So I have a bit of an issue with that. I won't lie, but I'm not that, I'm not that against it that I wouldn't watch that race that was on, if you, if you get me. Yeah. Um, but for me, it is the main thing is that we get good quality racing. If it's all around the world, I think that's better because it brings in a lot more fans from places that might not have seen it before. You don't have that many races in Asia. I think it probably would be beneficial for it to go a bit more over there. Um, yeah, I'm not really that that bothered, to be honest. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, <clears throat> I've got some kind of, well, I say it's going to be quick fire, but it might, it might not be. I've got some other, a few, a few more topics that I want to touch on. Uh, DRS, is that an important thing to you guys, or do you want to see it in the sport? Do you not care? or, or what? It's good. It's good, because I want to see, I want, the entertainment is the overtakes, and if that's going to help, if that's going to help make, if, that, if that's going to help facilitate them, then I think it's a good thing. I, I do get it, that it should be about driver skill and um but i think i think it just makes it so much more interesting to be honest which is again proper proper like diehard fans might think otherwise but for me I, I, that's what i want to see yeah charlie i think yeah in a lot more of a modern era where fans are coming in that are a bit more of a, a sit back on the sofa not get much of an interest apart from the race weekend I think it's really important to have it because as Henry's saying, it does allow far more overtaking to happen. That's the exciting thing. That, the weather, 
and someone like me who's kind of trying to border into being a bit more interested in the the, the kind of um not scientific aspect of it but the, the more detailed aspect the strategy is becoming a bit more interesting for me but most fans don't care about that they just want to see hamilton verstappen overtaking each other every lap and with the new changes have been made with cars getting closer together that's helped with that drs is just it's another thing isn't it verstappen when he had issues with his drs the other race he couldn't yeah, get past right. for a few laps get past yeah. george that I found quite exciting for myself because I really like George Russell and I wanted him to stay in front of him for as for as long as possible. So I liked that. But for the good of the race, really, he needed Verstappen to get past him a bit quicker and DRS would have helped that. Um, but you're always going to have these issues. It's another thing to go wrong. And I suppose that's another thing that keeps it interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's another thing. These young drivers, so Russell, Norris, Verstappen, Sides, Ocon... Uh, how important do you think they have been over the last two years to kind of make F1 more, you know, attractive? No, very important, I think. Social media-wise as well, we're talking a bit before about followings and Henry was mentioning about the likes of Norris and Ricardo's obviously a bit older, but Norris of his Twitch channel and <laughs> during the week he'll be playing races on there and playing really random games like Rocket League or whatever. That's what's bringing in young fans, making people a bit more invested in the characters behind the sport. And what I was talking about before about the personalities, I think it really helps. Not all of them are as exciting in terms of uh, going on Twitch and playing games and that kind of thing. But just knowing that there's 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds in the sport, they're going to be younger than me now pushing in. <laughs> that feels quite nice. Someone is my age and they're in an F1 car. Uh, it completely differs as to what age you are. But I think it does really help to show that anyone can do it from any age, really. As long as you're old enough to get in a car, you can be an F1. I quite, I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always... I, I kind of put Norris and Russell on a different like area for me because I like the British drivers. Like, I, I support the British drivers. I want the British drivers to do well. But I think in general, the, the biggest thing about the young generation is actually about the people that work in the teams rather than the actual drivers for me, because the, mainly because of the social media side of it like charlie said but like the teams are so much better at their social media now like their coverage is really good like they get massive engagement online which is probably what helps to drive more interest rather than for me the actual drivers themselves so i think that's been a big change in f1 um probably with bringing young people into teams to work behind the scenes in like the media side of stuff i think that's been a big positive change of a young generation yeah uh and the the other thing, which is completely nothing to do, to, to do with what we just mentioned, uh, sprint races. Is that a good thing, bad thing, or don't care? Uh, I don't know, really. <laughs> it's a mixed one. It adds a bit more, doesn't it, to a weekend mm. for a casual perspective. Uh, before, when there were only three points up for grabs for a win, it felt almost a bit pointless. Like they're kind of just they're knackering the cars out for nothing because they're using the same engines and gearboxes, aren't they, as they would normally, or yeah. they're separate. They are, aren't they? So it's just knackering out the cars a lot, a lot earlier, which means we can have. Do you guys know whether the race is going to happen? Uh, no. Not really, until it's the week of, and it's right. like, oh, we've got the F1 sprint. It's on social media. Sky Sports are plugging it. I don't really know when it's coming until it's there. So um, do you guys know how many there are this year? Is it is it like eight or something? Or is it less than that? <laughs> it's three, <laughs> right? I thought they were trying to push for more. Yeah, they were, but then there was a dispute over like right. money and compensation over accidents and stuff. So there's yeah, there's only three. 
Uh, it's rubbish. Yeah. It's it's rubbish. That sprint thing. I think <laughs> it's. I don't want to see. I, I want to save the racing for the for the race day. I, I want to like the. I mean, sort of the the battles and the duels. Save it for the race day. Mm. I love the qualifying. I like. Admittedly, I wouldn't watch practice. Like that doesn't that doesn't interest me because there's nothing really riding on it. But the the qualifying, I love it when you know you're watching like the sector times come through, yeah. and like you're waiting for when he hits the line. Is it going to go like green or red? And I, I think I think that's really exciting, and mm. and it's nice and it's nice and short as well, which means that you're not there's you know every lap kind of counts, every second counts. I personally don't think I don't see there's anything wrong with just the qualifying. Personally, I don't think I don't think the sprint races is necessary. I think it's silly how it adds points to the championship. I just think earn the points in the races. That's what it's there for. Don't to count to that, Charlie. <laughs> well, I think having it like three times a year as it is, it does add a bit something different to bring more people in. Oh, there's more racing going on. But I do understand the aspect that Henry's going on about. Let them race on the Sunday. You know, it's that's what F1's always been about. Why can't it stay like that? Why why did they do it, Nigel? Like what why did they bring it in? Because they want something meaningful on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, because the qualifiers on the Friday and the sprint weekend. It's on Friday evening. Yeah, home from work or school, they watch it, and then you got to on Saturday. But I'm like Henry, I for me, qualifying is arguably sometimes a highlight of the weekend. Sometimes, you know, we I, I like qualifying a lot. Like, Q, who's going to get out of Q1? Who's going to get out of Q2? And sometimes you got some real shocks in there. Hamilton not making Q2 a couple of times recently, and that's what I really enjoy about it. But then you get the sprint race and it reorders it as to the quality of the of the teams again it's yeah. not about the drivers as much is it it's more about the car and then in the race it's not as mixed as it, as it could have been so no i i think i'd agree actually that it probably isn't needed um but if it is bringing more fans into it having a longer weekend i certainly watch it on three days rather than two if there's a yeah. sprint on you've got the qualifying then the next day got the sprint etc so uh, I can see both sides of it, but I'm probably more of the traditional side that would prefer it to be gone. But also yeah. three, three times a year. What's the point of that? Either have yeah, it or, weird, don't, it or don't have it. And b- because one, we don't know when it is. And two, every time it comes around, unless you unless you properly know it, you're thinking you don't remember what the rules are from the last time it was on. Because it's only on. So I just think it just... It adds confusion rather than anything else. I just think I, I think you either do it and do it all the time, which I wouldn't be in favour of, or you don't do it personally. No, that's that's, that's interesting terms, you know. From again, because like like you guys said, I think most diehard fans like me don't really like it, but it's also interesting to hear that some casual fans don't like it uh, as well. And the actual for like normal format, do you think the races? are the right length and that kind of thing or could there be any other format tweaks that you guys would make i think it's about right hour and a half yeah. you know see other sports football rugby 90 minutes 80 minutes that's the kind of length that you're going to keep people interested until the end hopefully won't get too switched off but sometimes with the football you want it to be over it goes to extra time and penalties and yeah. it's like nil nil you've had that with chelsea liverpool this season on two occasions it, it can get a little bit boring and I'm I have football as my number one sport 
and I, even I find that a bit too much. It goes on for way too long. All of this kind of half-time entertainment they're adding into it, it, it even adds even more time. So <laughs> F1 getting any longer, Henry was saying he's quite enjoying it at the moment, but sometimes even then can't make it through a whole race. It's just going to switch more people off. I don't think any shorter because then you're losing a bit and you're losing time for drivers to overtake and things to change and safety cars and all that malarkey. But I think it's about right how it is, to be honest. The increased interest in the sport shows you that there's nothing wrong with the race. So if it's not, if there's nothing wrong with it, there's no need to fiddle with it. So the final couple of things we, well, I want to talk about is firstly, would you rather have a rivalry kind of like last year when we had Verstappen versus Hamilton, Red Bull versus Mercedes, or have a season, uh, well, so 2012, for example, the first seven races had seven different winners, uh, which was which hasn't happened for a very long time. Uh, so would you rather have like lots of different winners in a, in a season or a big rivalry like last year? I think um, I prefer it with more teams involved. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see it again when we get seven different race winners in seven races. We might do. Who knows with the way things are going, the regulations changing, making things a bit closer, as I've mentioned before. But um, no, I think I prefer it. The the jeopardy, not knowing what's going to happen, a lot of it going down to strategy. Sometimes Mercedes get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. And I, I quite like that as a, a bit more of a casual fan. It's just kind of seeing how it all unfolds. D different things coming in same before about the, like the weather coming into it as well if teams are a bit closer together seeing people like Ocon on the podium winning a race like it's it's a bit mental to me and I quite enjoy it Russell before at Spa I know it was a bit uh, kind of um, unprecedented the way it happened only getting a few laps in but him to qualify in the top three wasn't it was it third he qualified in qualified that? second I think second yeah. that, that to me was someone who really likes George Russell, I, I really like that. Um, and with the the rain, kind of, I think that was more what it was rather than the cars being a bit closer together because Williams yeah. are way off the pace at that point. It was just George having exceptional talent in the rain. I, I just quite enjoy seeing uh, the teams a bit closer together. It's a shame though, because I, I quite like, for example, Aston Martin and they're doing rubbish. <laughs> Is there a way that we can see cars even closer, teams even closer? I'm not too sure. It's unlikely. It's, no. it's going to have to need... I don't know. I think they're about as close as they can realistically get. I mean, sometimes we'll see the teams converge a bit uh, towards the end of a, of a set of regulations. So maybe in four or five years, you might see Aston Martin are a bit closer and can charge the podiums and stuff like that. But really, at most, you're going to get three or four teams charging for podiums most weekends. So... It's a yeah, I think the other life. side of the coin with last season was the most exciting season I can ever remember in F1 yeah. watching. With it coming right down to the end, I sat on a train begging we didn't go through a tunnel on the last lap. And obviously a lot of controversy behind that. Should yeah. Verstappen have won the title or not? Michael Massey, what's he doing? Lots of confusion with that. Um, I I thought it was a, it was complete rubbish how they did that how can they let some cars overtake and, and some not that I, I think it must have been a bit of a gray area in the rules to be fair um but that having more like two teams and two drivers up against each other that does bring a lot of its quality but as i said before i think i prefer it when there's every race it's not just at the end kind of when you're you're thinking oh it's all about the title it's about every race as well and i think you might see more close finishes 
if there were more drivers and teams involved anyway, and you might still get a bit of that. So now I'm more of a fan of the four or five teams that could win races rather than the proper kind of two. Do you agree with that, Amri? It's weird because for someone who consistently bashes F1 for not being competitive <laughs> enough, I actually don't think I do because I don't know. There's just some, there's something about rivalries between two or three drivers, for example, that are just, they're just, they're just different, I think, aren't they? Like last year with Hamilton Verstappen, I mean, it made for some really cool, like promotional stuff, didn't it? Like, especially with, um, with Sky, like the stuff they did around it coming down to the last race. I think they're the things that you, you really remember those seasons as standout seasons when there was two drivers that were sort of maybe a bit clearer of the rest, like Raikkonen and Hamilton and things like that. They, uh, Rosberg and Hamilton, funny enough, they always seem to involve Hamilton. But um, there, for me, I, there's just something about a duel or what something like that that really is different for me over the season where it goes backwards and forwards all the time. You don't, between those between a couple of drivers but again that's probably because i don't get invested i don't really care unless hamilton or unless one of the big drivers has a rubbish race i don't really care who finishes past fourth to be honest like i that's just me i don't i don't get invested in who finishes what team finishes at the bottom who finishes higher um but I just I like it when there's just a, a one or uh, two or three drivers who are fought, proper fighting it out over the season. Um, I just think they're more memorable seasons, uh, in my opinion. I'd have to agree with that because I've been thinking about other sports. I say football, for example, in the Premier League, we got Man City and Liverpool right now. You know, outstanding quality. And then even in the past with Arsenal and Man uh, United, I think just a bit more intensity almost. I think that was the same last year with Verstappen and Hamilton with the incidents they had, the collisions, and then your Horner and Wolf, you know, with all, all of the talk off the track. I just, I, I just always prefer that rather than having a few, few more different winners over a, a season. I kind of like the almost back chat off track, you know, just as much as the on track stuff. So, yeah, I think for me, I, I'll just... I mean, obviously, if there are seven or eight winners in a season, that'd be really good as well. But if I had to choose, I'll just about choose two or three drivers batting for the championship. Well, maybe it's a, a blend. It's a like, sorry. I was just say maybe a blend would be, like, yeah. pretty ideal. Because if you're having it where, at the start of the season, for example, you might not have, like, a... You might have an idea of who might be in contention for the title, but... A bit more of a at this stage, we're wondering it is between two teams with Ferrari and Red Bull. Mercedes are behind the pace. They've accepted they're not going to win the constructors this year. They're not going to get a drivers' championships unless something really does change. I, I think even now though, you've got Leclerc, Verstappen, and Perez. Perez is even in the conversation here. I, I find that quite exciting. But if you had even more, even an extra team in there, making it three or, or four rather than five or six or whatever. Say you brought in Mercedes into the mix as well, or like a McLaren or someone like that. Then at the start of the season, you've got a bit more uncertainty. You're you're obviously going to get at some point. You're going to get a few drivers who win more than others, and you're going to get a couple of clear favourites. And then you've got that rivalry between these two or three drivers again. So I think if you can find like a balance, which is probably what we're going to get in the next season or two, I reckon. 
then we're in a great place. What were you going to say, Henry? Um, what was I going to say? That's a good question. I forgot. <laughs> I rudely interrupted you and uh, you've completely forgotten. No, I don't remember. Um, what I was going to say was about the arguably the most enjoyable uh, era of tennis was when Djokovic, Nadal and Federer and then a little bit of Murray were were all fighting fighting it out for all the all the majors yeah. and I think that when you get that sort of especially when that goes on for years and years obviously we didn't really we we're probably not going to see that maybe with Hamilton and Verstappen just because obviously Hamilton is coming towards the end although he's not at the end but he's Verstappen coming towards the end. Yeah, so this could be this could be the start of the next the next big rivalry, which yeah. rivalries are healthy for the sport and they're good to grow the sport around. So I think for me, it's when there's two drivers or two or three drivers as standouts. I think even though it's you know, if you're, it means that other teams aren't going to win races. But for me, top level sport is about being the best of the best. And I think in F one. Especially diehard fans, they love to reminisce about oh Senna and Prost or Schumacher and Hill or Schumacher and Hacken and, and each of those rivalries had probably three or four seasons of you know a proper championship fight each year. So if that can happen between Verstappen and Leclerc, I think that'll be very healthy. Yeah, I also like how they grew up racing together in go karts, yeah. <laughs> and they've got that whole backstory to it. A lot of people probably don't even know that, right? But. Yeah. That is such a cool little fact that they were growing up racing together in the same championships as juniors to come through the ranks, similar ages. It is very exciting to see. And they're quite different. They're they're quite different people as well, aren't exactly. they? Yeah. I mean, Verstappen's a bit brash and a bit more sort of vocal, whereas I feel like Leclerc is quite happy to go a little bit more under the radar, really. So it's quite a quite a nice dynamic. It probably make in uh, 30 years' time, probably make quite a good film if they end up uh, having a decent rivalry uh, from yeah. when they were kids. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think the final thing is, kind of talk about rivalries, uh, Russell versus Hamilton, two British drivers at Mercedes. Russell is, I think, 34 points ahead of Hamilton off the top of my head. He's, I think most people, most people would say he's been better than Hamilton this year, which is a which is a small surprise because Hamilton is it is a seven time world champion and Russell is joining and well a new team. Well, if you ignore his Williams thing when he joined F one for the first time, but he's joined in a new team for the first time in his career. That isn't it together. That, that made that a lot more complicated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that rivalry there. Well, it, it's not it's, it's not even a rivalry yet, but that battle there. Uh, what what have you guys made of it? Are you surprised that Russell is ahead of Hamilton? Um, I don't know really. I again, it's hard to say when the Mercedes has had such big problems with the with the poor poison or the yeah. bouncing. Basically, um, it's uh, it's so it's so hard to call at this stage. It is, it is very interesting how that Russell's jumped into this car and, but from what I can understand when there's a rule change or a regulation change, it can almost be like stepping into a new car again. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, people are saying that it shows that Hamilton's done or, you know, Russell's a better driver. It's obviously far too early to draw conclusions like that. 
But there's it, Russell's obviously got some a little bit about him, hasn't he? Everyone can see that he's got a lot of potential or whatever. And also, you know, he says he he says it is, but is Hamilton's complete and utter motivation and heart in it still? I'd, you just don't you just don't know. I think it I think it would have been as going into the season, but when he's you know struggling to get out of qualifying and having such terrible issues and wasn't it in Monaco like where the poor poison sort of came back for Hamilton yeah. in qualifying and, and he said like it was I can't remember what he said it was like but I remember thinking wow like he's just not happy with that car at all so I think it'd be hard for him as someone who's always been fighting at the top to keep that motivation so it'll be interesting to see if Mercedes can improve will Hamilton be back on that on with up at Russell's level, but for me, it's more about it's great that there's two fan, there's someone, there's a successor to Hamilton's throne clearly waiting. In Russell will hopefully be challenging in amongst the Leclerc's and the Stappens and stuff like that. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting to see with the standings. You were right about the thirty-four point gap between them. You can tell you're a proper ultra fan, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing the exact points between between different drivers. Um, I've always loved Lewis Hamilton. He's always been my favourite. Typical sofa watcher of F1, Matt, to say. But he's British. He's an absolute legend of the support of the sport. One of the greatest British sports people of all time. He's going to be up there, isn't he? But George Russell, from the moment he kind of stepped into F1, I thought, I quite like this guy. He's, he's quite good, isn't he? And this Williams is really struggling, getting the odd point here and there, tra- challenging. When he got his first points, I was cheering on. And when he, it was in Bahrain, wasn't it? When he got the Mercedes seat for that one race, yeah. I was gutted when it all fell apart for him. I thought he had such a good um, drive that day and then kind of fell away. And I, I was completely gutted. So to see him in a Mercedes now, and now they're not competing as much, it's a real shame. But you're seeing in this car that's struggling that Russell is outperforming Lewis near enough every race, right? And he's got more podiums. He's got two to Hamilton's one, I, I, I believe, anyway, isn't he? Um, I, I, it's very good for me to see, and it's got that new era feel of it. Hamilton, I would have loved to have seen him get that eight title and beat Schumacher. I just don't think it's going to happen. It, surely, unless Mercedes, they know they're going to come back fighting next year and be right in amongst the mix, he's probably going to go, isn't he? Like, would he stick around if that he's going to be fifth, sixth in the championship, fighting with Norris? He won't do. He won't do a Vettel, will he? He won't stick around. No, I don't think he would. Marker. He wouldn't go back to McLaren, would he? He's contracted till next year at Mercedes. So, so can he can he get out of that early if he wants to? He's Lewis Hamilton. Surely he can just he kind could. of. I just don't think it would be a good look for him if he mm. left because he's not at the front. I think he always needs to true, yeah. a bit longer to, you know, for his legacy perhaps, and and also because he's won a race in every single season he's competed in F one, so you know he's still got that streak to try and keep up this year. So whether he can win a race, who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Hamilton left at the end of this year, next year, fifty fifty right now. So. Okay, I'd love to see him stick around. Uh, I just hope he can get up there fighting again because Lewis Hamilton is such a character. It's one of the reasons why so many people are involved in F1 and enjoying it. I want to see him fighting with Verstappen for years to come and Leclerc now as well, and even Perez. And I want to see a bit of a rivalry unfold between George and him because they're very friendly at the moment. 
going kind of skydive, aren't there, and surfing and all sorts. I want to see a bit more of a rivalry on the track away from it. But at the moment, George just seems to be doing an outstanding job. Isn't it top five every race? Is it top yeah, six? Yeah, top five every race. That's just incredible. Yeah. That is ridiculous. We saw him qualify really well for Williams and completely outperform that car. He's now outperforming a poor Mercedes. And just imagine what he could do if Mercedes were up there with Red Bull and Ferrari this year. It's quite exciting, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think F1 is in a pretty good place right now with the drivers, with the racing. So, yeah, uh, hopefully it can continue. But, uh, yeah, I think the final thing I've got to say is thank you to Henry, thank you to Charlie for joining me on the podcast for the second and first time, respectively. Uh, <coughs> uh, we should be back after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, myself, Freddie and Adam, I think we should all be free, hopefully. If not, then, oh well. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> if we are, then, then we will have an episode. Yeah, let's get your super on. subs back on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, until then, we, we, we will see you next time. So bye. <laughs> Take care.